Uh, I just want to echo what Stephen was saying this morning. God's presence is so, so beautiful and important. Um, I, I hope you realize like what God is doing with us with his presence here. His presence can lead you into a million different places. It can fill you with an infinite number of emotions. And what he seems to consistently do here is bring peace at a level that just is, is other than what is typical. And so I think many of you have probably come from backgrounds where different churches, you have different experience. Some are very much like uplifting, excite, exciting, and we run. And, and I love that. And I, I, I value that. And I want that. But it's really important in season that we recognize what God is doing and get into alignment with it and not wait for or dictate this other version of things that we maybe prefer or would like. Um, and I just, I want to acknowledge like he has come with peace for a significant time now. And it's really special and it's really important. Interestingly, I think our moment in history is really increasingly defined by anxiety and agitation, if you will. Like there's a, there's a lot of push to go and there's a lot of turmoil within and, and the stress and the fears that are tied to anxiety are very real. And they're not just in the church, they're everywhere. If you work or interact with humans, you'll find that anxiousness in our culture in this moment is a real thing. And it always has been, that's a tool of the enemy, fear, right? That's always, and there's, there's different expressions of it. But just to understand that God has an antidote for anything the enemy would try to define your life with. There is never a moment where we're lacking answers. There's just moments where we might get distracted from our source. And our source is Jesus, our source is the Holy Spirit, our source is God, and in him and in our fixation on him, we have authority and power to live an overcoming life regardless of the things that this moment brings to us, this season of life. And so I just want you guys to understand that we are in a unique moment because he's, in, he's just introducing, reintroducing, reminding us peace is not a drop that he puts on you and says, come back and get it again. It's actually something that's supposed to with his spirit. It's a fruit of his spirit. It's supposed to fill you to overflowing so that you're carrying peace with you wherever you go. You're not running to him for peace over and over, hoping to, to just get through the week. And I'll tell you, it's okay if you are running to him for peace because you need it to get through the week. That's okay. But understand that there's a higher calling that he's calling not just one of us, but all of us into where we overcome the, the things that are defining our generation. We overcome those things that are becoming commonplace, and we say, no, there's a higher availability to the fruits of the Spirit for me and for my family and my house, and I will not be defined by these things just because the world says they're normal. God says normal is peace. God says normal is joy. God says normal is patience, kindness, God says that his ways are higher than the ways of the world. His wisdom is different than the wisdom of the world. And so just remind yourself as you come, if you feel his peace, you're, you're getting something that's powerful. 
you're getting filled with, you're getting touched by something that's really, really meaningful, and, and, and embrace it. Grab a hold of it and go, God, fill me up with this to the point that I have no trace of anxiety in my life. That is his interest. That's his desire for you. And so sometimes that's a process. Sometimes that's a, a like a, a endurance race. Sometimes it's a sprint. Whatever time it is in your life, whatever level of definition you feel like you're getting as a result of grappling with anxiety, just understand there is overcoming available and it is worth fighting for. And I just want you to know he's here with peace. Let's take joy in that. Let's celebrate. Oh, he, he's bringing me something. And I can agree that if I come, I can, I can grab a hold of that peace, I can rest in that peace, and I can carry that with me. And that by itself will change the world around you. It's really good. So I just, I, I thank you, Daniel, wherever you are. Where is Daniel? Oh, no. There he is. He's back in the corner. I thank you, Daniel, for, for carrying peace into this, this worship set this morning. I thank all of you for worshiping and in agreement, we're just like, hey, this, this is beautiful. It's important. It's powerful. And realize if you have peace, you are better to hear. You're more clear to see. And when you hear and see, you're pretty much empowered to go anywhere and do anything that Jesus might tell you to do, right? And that's the ultimate authority that you need. So without it, you could be like me and just play video games or, or like exercise a lot or busy yourself with a thousand different things, all the while knowing, oh, I need to slow down because he probably is here. I just have no idea he's here because I'm racing so fast. So embrace that peace. It's a good thing. All right. We like Noah. Not we like Noah. We like Noah. You guys got it? That's a little, little English stuff going on there. A little nerd action right here. That's my, that's my happy place. So we, like Noah, are awesome. All right, <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the first slide. Hebrews 11. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, so God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. All right, well, let's go back to that last one. We'll get to the next one in a minute. Um, I want to I put ourselves in a, in a seat where we observe Noah's experience. You guys, it's a Sunday school story, Noah's Ark, two by two. You know how many times I've read Noah's Ark story in the last seven years? Probably like three times a week for seven years. I've read Noah's story. My kids love that story. It's a very good story. Um, we, we celebrate it as a children's story, and so everyone knows the story of Noah. I want to put ourselves in the, in the seat of observing Noah's experience, observing God's choice of Noah, and maybe ask the question, why Noah? What did he do that was different or special? Um, what was going on in their day to create this whole situation? And um, understand that there's always something we can get from our father or our forefathers and learn from and, and understand that we also have access to 
these, these same wonderful traits. So remember, this is kind of my, I say this all the time, when I receive Christ and I say, I, I want to be grafted into your heritage, Jesus, I want you to stand in my place, you be my righteousness, and then I'm grafted into the family of those chosen by God. I'm now in a different family. I have a new lineage. And so when I read the Bible, I'm reading about those that went before me with the confidence that I can too function in the way that they did or greater because I have the Holy Spirit with me. That's, that's kind of what the Bible says. I'd encourage you to, to dig into it to where you see that that pattern is there for you and that's the heritage you hold. And so when we read about someone like Noah, we're reading about our forefather. It would be like two or three generations back, this happened to my great-great-father, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. It would be much more present and real to you and go, oh, this was possible. And I just, I want you to look at Noah in that way because that's what Jesus did. That's what all the disciples did. They looked back and they said, this is our strength. This is who we are. This is who I am. And therefore I can go. And so for Noah, anytime I've heard this story as an adult, it's usually like in the context of, of the corruption of society or like fear as it relates to we're in a really bad place. Okay, I would just, I would argue and, and cause you guys to think on a more global scale. I think humanity since the beginning, since Cain and Abel and the corruption that existed there kind of just continued to spread. People, humanity has always been driven by, by things that cause them to just act in bad ways. It's not new. There is nothing new happening today that hasn't happened in generations before. So, so you guys, I think last week I, I kind of touched on the political spirit and, and just warning you in a certain way. Don't, don't get pulled into that discussion because the, that, that opportunity to take sides one against another. We as, as children born of God are eager to see God's kingdom on earth, eager to see mercy and grace redeem every human that would turn to him. We want to see that. We don't want to, we don't want to choose who gets that mercy and grace because if we were in that position, I tell you, you're, you're putting yourself in a seat you're not designed to be in. But when you consider what was going on in Noah's day, you can draw parallels, I think, to any generation in the history of humanity. I really think you could. But there was something stronger, more sinister, more significant to God that was happening that caused God to say, I need a reset. I need a redo. I'm looking out across the earth on all these humans I have created and blessed, and I'm not excited about what I see to the point where I want to judge and, and start over. But what he sees when he looks out at all of that, what is called here violence, what else is it called? So look, corruption, they'd corrupted their way on earth. When he looked out and saw these different things that for him were just un, unbearable at that point, he saw a man that wasn't like the rest of them. And this is interesting to me, the idea that there can be something in the practice and heart of an individual that catches God's eye and attention regardless of the level of corruption 
or brokenness that is going on all around them. And see, this is a pattern for God that you see over and over in scriptures. You see him zeroing in on individuals whose hearts transcend the day that they're in. And I just, I'm, I'm enamored by this. I think our culture and our moment is so loud, and, and I think it will be for our kids when they're older, and I think it will be for their kids. I think there will be serious things, generation-defining things that constantly pull on the passions and uh, intentions of, of man, Christian, non-Christian alike. We're pulled into the, the issues and, and challenges of our day. And there's, there's val valid and valuable things to participate in in those issues and challenges of our day. But there's some theme that weaves its way through all of human history where there's those that regardless of what was happening felt in their heart that their allegiance to God, their, the ways in which they walked was more significant than any of the things that were happening around them. It's interesting because the Bible doesn't say that God saw Noah's protest against his generation. The Bible doesn't celebrate Noah because he was so loud in opposition to the, the corruption that was around him. It says something different. It identifies that, yes, there was this great corruption, almost like the whole society that he was a part of had, had gone to a place that deserved judgment. But it says that Noah walked with God. He was able to figure out how to walk with God in the midst of all of that. And that's what God focused in on. And I just, I want to challenge you guys in this moment. Your life today, you have issues and you have really good things. You have, you have like, you have plates spinning all around you. That's like the, the, the business thing. It's like, you spinning all these plates. You got all these issues, things in life that you got to manage. Um, some of them, it's like really beautiful and really good. It's like God has given me really great measures of grace, wonderful things. But there's these other categories of life where you're like, these are defining me, but they're really not good, and I don't know how to resolve them. I just want you to remember, regardless of the number of like good plates and bad plates, Interesting illustration, but whatever. You get, like, the, the good things and the bad things that are really kind of defining your life in this season. Understand that God is not looking at and, like, counting your ability to resolve issues. He's looking at your heart and your ability to walk with him. And he's saying, are they fixed on walking with me? Or are they drawn into the fray of those things that are defining everyone around them. You see, I think we have the opportunity to be world changers, like really significant world changers, where we can make an imprint on the lives of people for generations that follow us. But it won't be because we're so masterful at our interface with the corrupt or broken or violent or fractured society that we're in. It's not going to be because you're a master politician and know how to navigate into people groups and know how to say the right thing at the right time. 
it probably won't even be that you're like the master healer and figure out how to lay hands on people and they, they're changed. See, the thing that characterizes all of the heroes in the Bible is that they get a close proximity to the God that they serve. And they value that above all things and they're willing to go anywhere or do anything because of that closeness that they have. It doesn't say that Moses, excuse me, Noah, it doesn't say that Noah, didn't say it about Moses either, but it doesn't say that Noah ran for God in his generation. It says Noah walked with God. Two, three generations before, Kevin helped me with this because when I'm in a rush, it's hard. But three generations before, there was another man who walked with God. Does anyone know who it was? Don't answer, Kevin. Kevin's wife answered. Enoch, and you did it too. We got one from both sides. I think we had, there was a couple. So Enoch, three generations prior, that would make him Noah's great-great-grandfather, walked with God. Walked with God to the degree that he was taken up and didn't actually die. This is really interesting. You see, Noah, in his generation, obviously knew the story. It lasted. It's in our Bible. Like the lineage, the generations. It doesn't say much about Enoch, but it says a little bit more than most in that, that, that period of time. Noah knew that there was something available to those who figured out what it meant to walk with God. He wasn't alive, most likely. Well, maybe he was. I'm sure there was some crossover. They lived a long time back then. There was some crossover, so he probably had some personal interactions with his great-great-grandfather. And if he didn't, he definitely had stories from his great-grandfather. And if that didn't work out, I'm sure his dad talked to him about great-grandfather who just disappeared one day. And it was pretty crazy for all of us, but we know why because God and him were at a level of like interaction that was just unlike anyone else. He lived in a way that God was like, I'm taking this one. He's good, I'm not letting him die. I'm gonna bring him here with me. I imagine Noah as a boy in some ways fantasized about what must that have been like? Fast forward into this moment and if Noah is here, and he remembers his great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, does he, does he meditate and celebrate the victory of his great-great-grandfather, the life of his great-great-grandfather, or does he turn to his environment and go, this is different than his environment was? Great-grandpa's story was great. It was great-great. Great. But man, he didn't live here. He did not have cell phones. He did not have media. He did not have pornography. He did not have really dramatic violence that was televised every day. He didn't have technology where there was atom bombs and nuclear bombs. And he didn't have cultural conflicts within his neighborhood, because they were all kind of the same culture at that time. 
not true, but you get, the, you get the idea. Would he have turned and looked at his day and said, Grandpa was great, but man, not possible in my generation. Would he have been beaten down by the issues and challenges of his moment to the point where he would have maybe forgotten about Grandpa? And I'll tell you guys, the answer is no, Noah wouldn't have, but everyone else did. Everyone else did. Everyone else did. There was one man who was walking with God three generations later. You guys remember when Abraham interacts with God and he's like, don't take out Sodom and Gomorrah. What if there's five there? For that, he's like, what if there's 20? What, what, the numbers, he's like, there's enough people, God, for you to spare a generation. God's like, yeah, that's cool. There's, there's 20, if there's 10, it's fine. And they go look around. I don't know how they do it, but God looks around. He's like, nope. It's, you know, good request, Abraham, but I looked, there ain't 20. How about five? Okay, how about one? How about one? The true answer was, no, there's not even one. But I'll get Lot out because he's your cousin. Did I get that wrong? Nephew? Yeah. Nephew? I'll fail the Bible test every time, guys. I just want you to know, like, it, it is not a prerequisite for doing this thing perfect. It, like, he, he, there's one in there. There's, there's not really even one in there. I, I'm, I'm interested in what it was that Noah had tapped into, that his great-great-grandfather had tapped into. And I'm sadly reminded that everyone else, even in that short period of time with that really current history, was consumed by the volume and velocity of their day to the point where they had forgotten what it meant and what the value of walking with God really was. Okay. Now, so where are we going with the story? The story is for you to understand that with the Holy Spirit, you can walk with God in the same way that our heroes walked with God. Jesus is the ultimate expression of what it means to be empowered and to walk in harmony with the Spirit of God of all creation. But Noah, in his day, figures it out as well. He figures it out, and he, he shows some signs of being an absolute crazy man. And that's what we have to understand. The, the call to walk with God requires things that guaranteed will set you not just subtly apart from normal culture, the call to walk with God, arm in arm, step by step. And he, he probably walks like that, right? He's got, a little bit of, he's got a little bit of rhythm, just a little bit. Probably more, probably more. Although they have weird music, like the, the Jewish music is kind of funny. It's like, it's, it's, it, what, what? It is, it's kind of funny. It's not quite soulful, but it's just, it's different. So I don't know what kind of rhythm Jesus had, but he probably had some. So he's a little bit, he has a little bit of a sway. But it's not just about like, okay, yeah, like I'm a baby Christian, I'm walking with him, this is cool. Like I feel affirmed, I feel strengthened. Oh, I feel, I, can, I'm, I like myself. God, yeah, I should like myself. Oh, this is a better life, I'm with him. And, and it becomes, all right, you're an adult now. We're gonna start to work into some places and things that are 
different maybe than just you getting the best life possible. So how about we go over here and he starts to push. It's a little stronger now. Okay, it's like, whoa, okay, this is like a hockey move. Like we're, we're sliding, this is hard. But then you keep going and you, you develop some endurance and then he's like, okay, now we're gonna make a move you're not, you're not gonna see coming and you're over here. You're way over here and you're like up, up here and then there's like a rappel rope that drops down. He's like, climb up, go. And you're like, whoa, 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 what are we doing? This is not normal behavior. This is out of order. This is uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not in shape for this. None of this feels right, looks right. Look around. Look at all these lovely people. They know how to do this, Jesus. They're sitting down calmly, quietly. They're just really respectful and, and modest. This is, this is it. This is, and he's like, I love you, but do you want to walk with me? Is it easier? I could just send you on a mission and you can go run for me. I'll give you a simple set of directions, i.e. a calling or career, and you go and you live with the fruit of the Spirit and you be an excellent person. Is that more appealing to you? Okay, that was a bad question, Jesus, because I know the answer. The answer is yes, it's more appealing to me because I understand it and it's simple. But I know the answer is no, it's more valuable to walk with you than it is to get simple instructions to run with that look like other people or models or versions of me that I'm more comfortable with. This is the forever problem for those Christians who engage with Jesus, engage with God, or Noah in his generation, who, who values God if you read the details of Noah's story, you find that he understood what sacrifice was. He sacrifices um, animals when they land. He got the full like, perspective of what Abraham and all of him, well, before that, it's before Abraham. It's like, you go back to Cain and Abel, like those guys, like he understood proper sacrifice. He understood like the right religious things to do. So he fully engaged with all that. But there was a higher call that caused him to be faced with this dilemma. And it was a dilemma. Noah had, a, had interaction with God, yes. But when God tells you to build the boat when you live in the middle of America, and he says a flood's coming, it's gonna take everybody out, that is a dilemma. That is not a, oh, this is gonna be great. It is not. It's not a good day. When he's like, get up, start building a huge boat. He's like, there is no water near here. What's the dilemma? The dilemma is, did I hear him right? That's the dilemma. Do I really know his voice? And, and you could have walked with God for decades when he brings you to a crossroads and he's like, this is what I want. You're forced into a position where you look back and go, yes, I do know that this is his voice. Look, this is how I got here. I followed his voice through all of this, these years of, of yielding, doing the right thing. It says he was righteous in his generation. He was pure. So he actually lived a clean life to where he knew that there wasn't corruption in him. So the voice that came, he wasn't confused that maybe this is the devil. The devil talks to me all the time. He was like, no, this is the voice that interacts with me every day because we walk together. And so I'm challenged by someone like Noah who does two things so well. 
He ignores what's going on in society to the point, ignores in the sense of he's above it to where it doesn't compromise his interaction with God. So I'm challenged by his, let's call it purity. Let's call it purity. And and there's layers to that, but like the idea that we can be corrupted by our connection with culture and society is real. And it's not to escape culture and society, understand. Noah wasn't selected because he lived on an island off the coast, away from everyone, like survivor by himself. Noah was selected because in the midst of all of those things that were happening, he was steadfast and he was able to connect with God and hear God clearly. That is remarkable. That's wonderful. It's amazing. And I'm, that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is he was radically obedient. Radically obedient. You guys get what that means. It's one thing to be obedient when God's like, hey, look around. We're friends, right? Yeah, we're friends. We've been walking together a long time. Yes, we have. All right, look outside your door. Look, they're sacrificing children. This is a bad place. And you go, yeah, we agree. We're on the same page. Me and you, friends forever. We don't disagree. I'm totally in your camp. Anything you say goes because we see the world the same. Okay, good. Build a huge boat and go grab every animal you can find. Okay, wait a second. Like, I thought we were, like, on moral, like, we were, we were together in this thing. Why are you going to make me look crazy? How am I going to gather animals? What are you talking about? I thought we were just talking about righteousness and, like, yeah, I got all this down. Like, we sacrifice animals every week. We, like, that's how come we're connected. Why don't we just turn, the, like, what? What? Go gather goats? What are you talking about? Like, that's the right answer. Like, that was Noah's right. That's what didn't get recorded. Noah was like, you are crazy. Just, you, you, what do I, I got to save the animals? How about a boat for my family? I don't care about giraffes. Like, are you serious? This is a strange directive from a God who is above all And if you get into the logical breakdown of what he asked Noah to do, you're going to find yourself in stark disagreement that he was doing the right thing. I don't care if you know the outcome of the story. You're going to go, God could have, like, this doesn't even make sense. This doesn't make sense. Now, I got to tell you guys, the, the life call that you have will get to a point where you'll, you'll be asked to make decisions that don't make sense. And it'll be up to you if you continue to walk with God down that road. And if you stop because the requests become unnerving, uncomfortable, challenging, beyond maybe what you're willing to do, there's grace for you. There's moments, there's seasons where Part of it's a kind of a test, and he'll let you kind of waver and flounder. But ultimately, he's after the ones who will just yield with, with a ferocity. It's like, I don't care how this feels or looks. I am going to walk with him wherever he sends me. No matter what it feels like or no matter how seemingly crazy this might be. There's a, there's a, there's a thing 
about like where we're at in, in this moment in Christianity in this country. We, many of us, and not just here, I'm just like globally, many of us understand the power of God to move on behalf of humanity. We understand the infilling of the spirit. We understand the empowerment to go do. We understand that God cares and God can work through people at a level that's really transformative. We get that. But we generally don't do much of that. We marvel at those who do. And we celebrate and go, see, he does it. But there's this disconnection between what's actually happening on the front lines of where God is, is literally using humans as hands to change situations and our seat where we watch these crazy brave humans do these amazing empowered things and we go, that's amazing. I'm gonna do that. I believe. And then we turn to our patterns that are entrenched in us and established in us and we go, I'm gonna keep doing this just better. I'm gonna do it harder. I'm gonna do it with more conviction, but I'm gonna do the same things that I've been doing, hoping to create that outcome over there. I want you to know, like there is unlimited opportunity for you to do the great things and to walk with God into great outcomes. Unlimited because there's war, poverty, pain. Everywhere you want to see it, it's there. There is no lack of people that need the miraculous intervention of God. There is no lack. There is a lack of people who are willing to go to that crazy place like Noah did and say, I'm gonna put myself out there and put myself in the middle of this great need and I'm gonna do it with an absolute radical conviction because I know that God will come through for them if I go because he's come through for me before. There's not a lack of, of understanding or maturity in the word. There's a lack of courage and conviction and willingness to look absolutely crazy, an ability to kind of surrender my comfort. These are huge asks. Think about the ones who are going to like refugee camps right now, physically going to refugee camps, meeting physical needs, maybe, yes, in the name of the gospel, but physically bringing help, support, and life to refugee camps. Where are they? They're all over the place. It doesn't take just this one war that we're seeing on the news today. They're all over the world. There's people under almost every bridge in the Bay Area today. There's people right, you guys know this. Like, and I, and I, I, I want you to hear this. I'm, this is a little strong, I know. Nobody's smiling anymore, I know, it's okay. Smile at me, we're okay. Everybody, I still love you all. This is not me condemning you. This is, this is a real question mark in our culture where we go, God heals, God saves, God delivers. Why doesn't he do it through me? Okay, you gotta go where there's real need. You've gotta go with courage and absolute unwavering faith. You can't read about it and believe it's going to happen through you if you only read about it. And so for Noah and his generation, 
he was willing to dedicate his life to walking with the Lord. And as he did that, he found himself increasingly in precarious positions. You know how long it took him to build the boat? No, I don't either. Does anybody know? It wasn't like a month. It's years is what I remember. You got a couple years? 100? Okay. Close to 100. Okay, I got two 100s. What do you got? All right, we're going to go with 100. Let's call it, even if it was 50, how many years is too long to be working on a project that you think God told you to work on? So he, let's, let, let's go with 100. I like 100. If it's 100, you're building a boat for 100 years before an animal shows up, before there's signs of water. You're giving your life to the voice of the Lord that's led you to a place that after year one, I go, I don't understand. I don't get it. I think there's confusion in our communication lines. Like, I'm going to go sacrifice some more cattle or oxen or whatever. Like, okay, let's, let's double down. Let's get this. Okay, God, can we talk again? And all he probably heard was, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. It'll be soon. He probably heard soon. That's, that's, that's how God does it, right? He's like, they're coming soon. This is going to happen soon. And it's like, you're 22, you're 23, you're 28. How about year 50? No, no, 98 years later. Do you think Noah was like, I'm crazy? You see, I think he would have said, I'm crazy. But I think he knew the voice of the one he'd been walking with. And, and I want to tell you, you're not supposed to manufacture your mission field. You're not supposed to arbitrarily go door to door hoping that God sends you somewhere or empowers you to do something. You're supposed to pour yourself into that relationship with him to the degree where anywhere he goes and he, he's drawing me to go, I can't help but go because I just have to be with him. This is real beyond any shadow of a doubt. And he'll send you places that you would never have sent yourself. And he'll ask you to do things you never would have understood him to ask you to do. But as you go in faith, and as you stay close, you're suddenly finding yourself in the ranks of faith. Let's go to the next slide. Hebrews 11. So I got two verses and we're done. This is going to be another 40 minutes. You ready? That was one verse. We just did one verse. We're good. You guys are cool. All right. This is so fun. I'm having so much fun. I hope you guys are having fun. I hope you didn't have any football. No. I know none of you watch football anyway. I don't care. All right. Here we go. We like Noah. Yes, we do. Okay. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right. Let's go to the next verse and I'll just put these two together. Save you guys some time. By faith, Noah, all right, remember the subject of our story today. There he is. This is the next verse in Hebrews. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen. Say not seen. Not yet seen either. He moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. 
by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. All right. So in this chapter in Hebrews 11, it's, it's like the, we call it like the hall of faith, hall of fame of faith. It's an awesome chapter. If you want commentary on scripture, start in the New Testament and look at what it's talking about in the Old. Here we have the author celebrating these heroes. One of the first he celebrates is Noah. And he says that, that he was divinely warned of things not seen. I think it's interesting. The scripture before this reminds you that there is a process by which you interact with God. Go to the, the slide before, if you, do, if you can. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, this, I want you to focus on this, because I think I, I talk, and I do some of the presumptive stuff where I'm like, surely you guys hear from the Lord, right? And I think that oftentimes, either seasonally, or maybe it's just you haven't gotten there yet, we go, I can't hear anything. He doesn't even talk to me. Vince is cool, but I think he's kind of crazy, because I don't know how he hears from God all the time. Okay, so just I, just, I want you two things, love yourself, and the other is pay attention to scripture because it is your pathway into hearing from the Lord. Here, this is specific. It says, for he who comes to God, so that, that says someone who approaches God on their own, they must believe that God is. Okay, why would you need to believe it? Because when you approach him, he doesn't appear to you in the flesh. You're, appear, you're approaching him in faith. Well, does that mean you go for a walk until you find him? No, you have an approach that's in your spirit and you pursue something or someone who you can't see and it's a real act of faith because it's really disarming. You go, hey, come talk to me. Like, I am God, come talk to me. And it's like, great, he walk up, here I am physically in the flesh. And he goes, no, 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 not in the flesh. I'm in the spirit, you come talk to me. You come interact with me, you come pursue me, and no, you're not going to see me. We go, some people have seen me. Jesus appears to people. People go to heaven, they see things. When's that going to happen for me? He's like, no, 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 no. The hall of faith, the hall of faith. I didn't appear in the flesh to Noah. He pursued me with great confidence, just like his great-great-grandfather had, to the point where they were, he was walking in the Spirit with me, so closely that it was as if it was 100% physical because his spirit had become the priority over his physical. And you go, it's, this is kind of confusing and hard. Yes, of course it is. Because your natural mind, your natural feelings want to govern everything about you. Your spirit man, your spirit woman has to take priority and precedence. How does it do that? By coming to him repeatedly in faith. Believing when I pray, he hears me. Believing when I read his word, he will fill me with his word and the power thereof. Worshiping. I didn't see him in the room today. Did anyone? But man, we felt him. What did we feel? Oh, there's some faith involved with that conversation. It is a faith-filled life. Not moment, life. Everything about your journey with the Lord to take you to places where you do miraculous great things involves increasing levels of faith. They never get fixed. And when I say fixed, I think sometimes we're like, I believe this is him. I believe this is him. Surely someday he'll show up and confirm it was him. And then that part of faith will, have to, will disappear because I'll just know it as fact. 
I'm waiting for facts to arrive, and then I can have faith for other things. No, 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 it's just this increasing well of faith. I believe that he is manifest himself in his word. I believe that when I worship, his presence comes. I believe that when I pray, he hears me. I believe that, oh, that small voice, that still small voice, I believe that that's the spirit of God talking to me. I believe it. I have faith. I believe that when his spirit comes on me and I speak in other tongues, that those other tongues are real. That's the spirit speaking through me. That requires faith. God will not possess you, take control, turn your brain off and go, you're mine now, robot, let's go. I'm gonna send you out there and you are now under my control and you have no say, you have no awareness or consciousness. That is not how this works. It is you, this little, small creature in this big, big earth that says, I believe that this is God that I'm interacting with. That's how it all begins. And it, it never changes, it only grows. But really what grows is this like mustard seed, this really small thing that starts to get, it's, where does it show up? Does it like shoot out of you and all of a sudden there's like a root and then a leaf pops out of your ear and you're like a science fiction movie? No, 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 it's, it's growing, it's in you though. It's this faith in you, this tree inside of you that begins to take over every realm and then it's like finally gets to your feet. But it starts here in your heart. When it gets to your feet, you're like, I can walk. I can go by faith to the places God calls me to go. And it finally gets to my hands and it's like the leaf pops out. No, there's no leaf. It's just, I believe if I lay hands on this person, I could be the hands of the Lord. I could be the feet of the Lord because I could go there too. But it's this crazy journey where your belief starts to transcend all of your feelings and logic. And he can whisper, go here, say this, give this. Surrender your career path and choose this path. Surrender your church attendance from this church and go to this church. So the process is he who comes to God has to believe one that God is and that he rewards those who diligently, and that's a school term, and we hate school terms because we want to get out of school and never go back. But diligence is we just persist and don't stop. And we never give up. And, and it, we believe that there's a reward for that persistence. Go to the last slide. We'll do a huge altar call. You'll all run to the front. It's going to be powerful. All right. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Okay. So God warned him. How did he warn him? He talked to him. Did he show up in the flesh? I don't think so. I think it would have told us, truthfully. I think if God like appeared to him like he did with Moses in a bush, I think they would have remembered that part and written it down. Just said he warned him. That's usually like with a voice. All right, so he warned him about things that hadn't shown up yet. And so Noah moved with godly fear. Okay, so that, what is that last piece? And then we'll kind of move on here. I want you guys to understand. Your connection with God has to observe the, the first of the Ten Commandments. There's no other God before him. 
He is at the highest place in all ranking in all things in your life. That is a position of respect, honor, ultimately fear. Fear is a word that's really rich. This isn't a fear like I'm afraid. This is a reverence. There is a connection to something that is higher than anything I could see, feel, or want. So that proper alignment with God is required to walk with him. All right, how does that show up in my life? It shows up by absolute deference and obedience to anything he prompts you to do. And I'll tell you, you guys go, well, he hasn't prompted me to do anything because he doesn't talk to me yet. I'm still waiting for that voice to pop up, get loud. I'll tell you, where it starts is in his word, the Bible. You have to dedicate yourself to the Bible. If you want to hear his voice, you have to fill yourself with his word. It's the inspired scripture, meaning that God breathed life into those who wrote it, and he continues to breathe life. It's a living word. It's living and active. It's sharp. It can cut into the things that, that would keep you from following him. It can divide those things that are within you that might be confusing or corrupt and you don't even know it. And so filling yourself up with the word is the first step. And as you do that in faith, believing, as I read this thing over and over, fill myself up with scripture, I believe that this is gonna be the first step in walking and understanding and learning to know the Lord. And as you do that, he'll bring those scriptures to mind. And you'll realize, hey, this is a weird process. Scripture just popped up in my mind. Where'd that come from? It's the Holy Spirit in you, speaking. And then, he'll talk, then he'll, you'll hear a voice. You'll hear, a, maybe you should do this and not that. You'll start to develop your own awareness of what his spirit is like in your life. Every single step of the way requires faith, guys. And I want to commend you today. I want to commend you in this moment. When I, when I tell these stories of heroes that, that do mountaintop things, sometimes you guys mistakenly go, Oh, but I'm so low and so small. How could I ever ascend to that place of great faith? It's like, no, 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 no. You are manifesting great faith in this moment. You are, you are living a life at odds with our culture, at odds with the violence and the wickedness that is so prevalent and so common. You are constantly fighting a battle to stay in alignment with that God, that spirit of God, who's within you and near you, because you're after a life of absolutely amazing outcomes. It takes a ton of faith to be where you're at today. And so I want you to do this really quickly. Good job. Nice job. You're doing pretty good. You can say that, like, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. I saw your week last week. You did pretty good. You got to start there. Like, hey, I, I'm on a journey of faith where I, I get better and better at yielding to the voice of the Lord. I get more and more excited when he says anything. And when he says crazy stuff, I'm like, yes, because I know it, there's a, if he's asking me to kind of leap into crazy stuff, he's going to back me up. There's something on the other side of this that's special. Oh, it's so special. Oh, 
I'm just thinking of what examples I want to give you or not. I just, guys, I'll just tell you, I, I have lived a life, I am not perfect at this, but I've endeavored over and over, God, anything you want, any job you want me to take, any um, like ministry stuff you want me to do, any person you want me to talk to on the street, any money you want me to give to anyone, anywhere, anytime, my commitment is always, I'm going to say yes. Now, have I been perfect at that? No. And I've told you guys examples of that. God's like, tell this person this thing, and I'll tell them like half of the thing because I'm nervous about it or whatever. But, but I'm endeavoring. I'm like leaning in, and I'll go, okay, next time, let's do it again. Like, don't wait another year. Let's go this month because I'll remember how fresh that failure was. Let's go. Let's, but we're going to beat this. Like, I don't want anything to keep me from yielding on the spot, in the moment. Obedience that's radical is fast. It's not like, hey, I'll take that home and think about it for a while, Jesus. Thanks for the tip. I'll come back to you after I pray about it. (laughs) No, no. I obey quickly. I get prompted to call somebody. I call them then. I get prompted to pray for someone. I pray for them then. I get prompted to shut up and keep the job that I'm in. I do it. And I shut it. And I stop talking about how bad it is or how, how hard it is. I'm thankful and I'm quiet. And I'm like, you got me in the right place. And I'll say it over and over and over and over. Like, I'm in the right place. This is awesome. Until I'm like, I'm in the right place. This is awesome. I like it here. People aren't so bad. Well, maybe they're bad, but I'm happy. It doesn't matter. You guys know how it goes. So it's, it's, but guys, I, I want you at the end of your life to hand your children and your children's children an inheritance that they can look to and go, my great, great grandmother. It's like she walked straight into heaven, like she didn't even die because she was so close to the Lord. I have that inheritance. My mom, on her deathbed, I'm sitting with her And she had cancer, and it was rough. It was really rough. And she was an unbelievable faith person her whole life. And she was 55 when she died. So she was young. On her deathbed, we're sitting there. It's just me and her. And it's a rough picture, and I got it right in my mind. I live with it every day. I said, are you? I said, Mom, it's going to be good. You're going to go see your dad. She goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to see Jesus. And she could hardly talk. She was just like... At that, at that stage. And she goes, I'm so excited to see Jesus. And it's like, oh, you're a beast. You're tough. You are tougher than me. You are tougher than me. But I get that inheritance. Like, she was awesome. Woo! She was awesome. And she was powerful. And we had prayed for people with cancer and seen them healed. So you go, oh, this is tough, huh, Mom? And she's like, yeah, Jesus is awesome. I'm like, I don't get any of this at that point. I was like, this is way over my faith head. Like, my faith's way down here. Yours is way up here. And she lived her days, like, right into heaven. And I still see her in heaven. And it's like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like, the life that we live, I want an inheritance where I just radically obey him. I can't see the outcomes always. But I'll tell you, out of that style of faith, out of that belief beyond circumstances, when there's violence all around, or maybe, guys, you are just subjected to violence and you you can't shake out of it, you still believe at a level that's like, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm, I'm listening 
And it's not you afar off because I'm yielding every moment. I'm yielding and I want your voice and I want your voice never to feel far away. So I'll do everything, everything. I'll have a fear of you, a reverence for you. So if your conviction comes, if your prompting comes, it's all the same level of excitement from me. It's like, yes, I can give up the Barbie movie. Any of you? No? <laughs> all of you went and watched Barbie, didn't you? I'm just kidding. I, I'm totally kidding. I, don't even, I haven't seen the Barbie movie. It wasn't a problem for me. Hopefully you've all... You like, you, okay, we had a couple people watch. It's okay. But if God tells you, don't do something, as silly as it may seem, as silly as his prompts might seem, see what I just said? We can have that level of kind of critique of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Or do we have a fear of the Holy Spirit where we go, oh, you see something and know something that I don't. Oh, you are way ahead of me and way higher. I yield because I'm not just like afraid of you. It's like, no, I want you close. That's what walking with the Lord is. You see, I, I, it's so easy to pull up the New Testament and go, don't do these things, right? And I'll, I'll encourage you guys, read those and don't do those things, okay? That's a real good start. But there's another level of, of, I get into this connection with him where it's, prompt me about anything, God. Take away things that are good so I can have better. Keep me from going places that are okay so I can have great. Introduce me to people who are hungry and after you and let me be quick to let go of the ones who are not because it's, it's a life that I have one of and you, I want you right here with me. And so guys, today, I, I just want to end by saying that we, like Noah, we're like Noah if we can make radical decisions on a daily basis to stay in tight, tight, tight communion with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with his word. And don't ever doubt your ability to do great things. If you're out on an island by yourself waiting for the Holy Spirit, I'd be concerned. But if you're leaning into him, yielding in every way you know how, I can do anything with the power of the Lord. And so I just, I want to encourage you, take bold steps because that's what God requires for those who are going to do great things. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that you said was an even greater gift than all the prophets had before you, that we would be empowered to go places and do things that are unique in our generation. And so we, we as a family, invite you, Holy Spirit, to greater, not influence, but partnership with us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come with conviction, with direction, with rebuke, with encouragement. We, we want you in our ear. And we endeavor, Lord, to say yes and yield at all costs because we, like Noah, want to provide safety, shelter, refuge in our generation. We believe that you can use us in mighty ways. And so we ask for greater prompts, greater conviction, and wild, wild stories of where you've sent us. I just pray for each one. Bless them as they go. Wreck their week. Ask them to do crazy stuff that's scary for them. 
That would be awesome. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. When, you get, when God prompts you to do crazy stuff and you actually do it, tell somebody about it. Be, be proud and let's celebrate because I have a feeling it's going to start in a really beautiful way and it's going to start to get us to the places we're supposed to go as a church as well. Next week, what are we doing? Retreat. Here. Saturday. Here. Morning. 9.30. Here. It's free. Here. So come here at 9.30 on Saturday. We'll have a morning session and then we'll go to lunch. We'll come back after lunch and have an afternoon session. And then we'll be here also on Sunday morning. It's going to be an awesome weekend. If you can, consecrate yourself in some way. Prepare yourself. What I mean by that is prepare yourself for that experience. We want to be ready to hear and to be prayed for. And it's going to be powerful. So I'll look forward to seeing you guys next Saturday. Love you guys.